I was told you were coming. A slayer. Himself stuck, rather like a, a cork in a bottle. My ascension is almost clear. Jeez. I don't like vampires. I'm gonna take a stand and say they're not good. Fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this way. Hello. Oh, yes. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. This is episode or season one, episode 11 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Called Out of Mind, Out of Sight. And completely non-happenstancically, that is also our episode season end number as well. You know what the most interesting thing I thought was about this episode? What's that? Is that autocorrect did not say shit about happenstancically, but it hates that I wrote yearbook with a space between year and book. <laughs> That's the most interesting thing about this episode today. I don't know that I'd go quite that, that far. I mean, <laughs> I'm exaggerating, obviously. I mean, Cordelia seems a little bit more like a human being. This is this is the first real Cordelia episode, and it's the first time that she seems like a person. Yeah, and like I like genuinely feel for this character. Yeah, they were a, like a bit. You know what character we don't want to completely fucking throw away? Cordelia, apparently. There it is. And we are introduced to Harmony in this episode. Yes. I was I had the feeling that she was a returning character. Yeah, hmm. I mean she she comes even after graduation, she comes back. Yeah. Does she? Yeah, as a vampire. Huh. I hated her very first line, but you know what? I'm gonna save <laughs> that until we actually get into it. What's going on in your life, Rex? Anything? Um No. I still don't have a car. I still live very far away from anything that I want to do. That's fantastic. It, I'm glad to hear that. Far from fantastic. I, I'm i really glad that uh, you're really keeping your chin up and you're just you're making... Not, you're not listening to You're me just at making all. it happen. This guy right here, and nobody nobody out there can really can, just... Can you hear me? Are, are you listening to the words so that I'm saying? I have this friend, Rex, and... Uh, you know, we don't talk very often anymore. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, aren't you going to ask me what's going on in my life, Rex? Nothing's going on in your life. Just... just what's going on in your life, Josh? Fuck all, Rex! <laughs> fuck all! So there's this podcast. Yeah. That's, uh, that's about all I got going, too. <laughs> it's... <clears throat> I'll tell you about it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we could probably yes, yes, we could probably learn a lot from it from from your podcast from my podcast that i have nothing to do with I, I who are you where am i <laughs> fuck you <laughs> so uh, uh finishing up the jameson i'll be damned if i was gonna let a whole fifth of jamo um, get used on just sitting around doing nothing and not talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm just doing beer. And a little bit of JMO. Yeah, a little bit. And that's okay. I had plenty earlier, too. So, I feel like I'm required to do something that I've done on almost every other episode. Yeah, that would that would be, uh, hey Josh, how about a mom synopsis? Oh, shit. I was thinking drink more, but okay. <laughs> I guess. Well, we all know you drink more when your mom's involved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you're trying to imply, you sick fuck, but... I'm trying to imply that she would drive anybody to drink. Oh. <laughs> um, Mom, I hope you're not listening to this, because he's right. <laughs> no, everybody... She's not that bad. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you can relate. Joshua! <laughs> Do you want to have dinner with me today? <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of had plans. What are you doing with your life, Joshua, that you can't spend time with me? To have just a little bit of dinner. <laughs> dinner and Buffy? <laughs> Fuck your Buffy! <laughs> Nobody cares about your Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Joshua. You're the only one. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to argue that one, Mom, but... All right, fuck it. Just tell me what it's about. What's it about this week, Joshua? <laughs> uh, well, there's an invisible girl. Yeah, that's... And that's she it. gets recruited to be uh, at a government assassin <laughs> after very poorly beating up a jock with a baseball bat. After and, completely failing to be an assassin. <laughs> yeah, nobody died, <laughs> no. and she still got the job. That's what upsets me the most. I can't get a job as a waiter. I am so fucking polite. You have no idea. Can bring people food and beverages with uh, okay, 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 okay. such a okay. believable look okay. of... Jo- Josh, we do not have enough time on this podcast <laughs> for your problems. I mean, for my for my problems in general, God, no. All right. Yeah, let's let's start then. <laughs> yes. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Strength. Give, 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 give me more. Nights I shall give, walk give, in the give, 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 give. Hold on. You've got something here. Huh? So the episode opens up with Cordelia and Harmony and Cordelia's boyfriend, who I can't fucking remember his name. Uh, wasn't it Mitch? I don't know. I think it was Mitch. I just said I can't remember his name. I, I, I'm just trying to help. Harmony is actually a reoccurring character that I was surprised I thought was in the series sooner than this. I completely forgot she existed. I really hated her first line. Do you remember what, what her... I didn't... Did you catch her first line? I didn't yeah, catch it. Yeah, it wasn't really very notable. In fact, I didn't even realize that she was a recurring character because her first line was delivered so poorly... Um, that I was like, wow, where'd they dig up this one-off actress? Um, it went something like, yeah, she sounded like she was talking with a sock in her mouth. She was like, she is always hanging out with that creepy librarian in that creepy library. And they were, you know, they were just standing there making fun of Buffy. Yeah. Who... Ran into Cordelia and drops her purse, and all sorts of mayhem implements come tumbling out. Yeah, it's just implements of destruction. Her that... excuses that she's doing show and tell in history class. Yeah, I mean, nowadays you can't bring a steak knife in to cut your birthday cake. No. But for fuck's sake, by all means, you go ahead and I don't and think run... they'd let you bring in a butter knife. Yeah, exactly. But go ahead and run around with your mace. And <laughs> But uh, they're... In your medieval machete. There's a little a little note here that I think, um, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but if you think about it, Harmony's line about the creepy library and the creepy librarian. Yeah. Maybe that's actually why nobody else is ever fucking in the library. Well. The whole school thinks it's creepy. Because they're always fucking in the library. Well, yeah. You calling them a bunch of pervs? I guess. Why you, why you always gotta take this to a sexy place, Rex? I, no, you did. I... Oh, oh my. <laughs> God damn it, Chess. <laughs> my apologies. And after that, we jump to class. Um, I'm not sure what... Uh, it, I think it's a lit class. Oh, um, yeah. I they're... The teacher's reading Shakespeare, I think. Shylock. Shylock? I don't even know who or what Shylock is. No fucking clue. It just made me think of Frylock. I, th- I think it might have been a philosopher. That's possible. It sounds but, so stupid. Yeah, that's I'm, <laughs> the internet's gonna dude, fact I, check us. I so never fast. really got that hard, that heavy into philosophy. I so. almost googled it. If that makes anybody here feel any better, but the thing of note in this entire scene, though, is Cordy actually fucking was obviously paying attention to the reading and the homework. Oh, she was. And, like she actually like, yeah, her points are all really fucking horribly self centered. Yeah, but she actually like. Seems to be fucking intelligent. Well, yeah. And it made me wonder, is she a good student? <laughs> like, oh, she must be. She ha- she'd have to be, right? I think their teachers have apparently such low expectations that any amount yeah. of engagement with the material <laughs> is enough to just blow their socks off that they don't even care that they're dealing with a fucking psychopath. I guess, but <laughs> like, it, it really... I mean, this whole episode is obviously very Cordy-centric anyway, yeah. but 
It just I think that was the the funnest meta point of this entire episode. Right. What if there was an episode? That's what they said when they wrote this episode. They sat back and totally Seinfeld style they said, "What if there was an episode that actually was all about Cordelia?" And it was about Cordelia. Her being all about Cordelia. It was about Cordelia <laughs> making it all about her, and it's actually all about her. Yeah, no, that's in this that, episode. That's exactly what they've done. And it's hilarious. It's, in that right and it like it the character fucking works yeah like this is the episode that i think they decided you know what we're gonna make her a bigger part of the show yeah i mean the the show on the whole at this point is just kind of it's like when you're blowing up uh one of those long balloons that you use to make an animal right uh, uh, a balloon animal it's like only partially inflated but it's going to be even and satisfying when it's done blowing up. But the whole first season is just like the awkward yeah, middle stages really of inflating something. Your your analogy there was awful, but your <laughs> go, point is good. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and <laughs> so from the classroom, we go to the locker room. It's very obvious that we're following around, like, some thing that's watching people at this point. Because that's never happened before. Right. Because stylistically, this, they, they're doing the same thing that they've been doing. Yeah, with the that. little follow camera technique in, the, in a locker room at this point is... They've done it so much. It's about as common as in Star Trek, there being a ball of energy, light, whatever, getting into the ship. Yep. And, and causing some mayhem. It, it makes me think, I would never go to fucking gym class in this school because <laughs> everyone gets beaten up and or dies in the fucking locker room. Exactly. <laughs> what is it? Three, four times now. Buffy got attacked in the locker room. Two women died in locker rooms. Yep. This kid gets beaten with a baseball bat in a locker room by an invisible girl. Sounds about right. Which, the effect, like, I understand why they did the effect the way they did with, like, him getting beaten by a baseball bat being held by an invisible person. Yep. They only show the bat hovering in the air twice, and the effect is not great. But the rest of the time they show it, the handle of the bat is off screen. Yeah. And it, it, it was, looks awkward <laughs> as fuck. It was. Yeah, I, I think that was just like a green screen issue. Yeah. Like and they couldn't limitation have him, of technology. Yeah, they couldn't have him in the shot while they were also doing the green screen or some shit. Right. It Whatever. Wasn't, it wasn't shot great. But we got the point. And then we go to the opening credits. Except for the fact that, okay, yeah, opening credits. Hey, got your steak. And then immediately we go to Principal Snyder. <laughs> His line, first off, the, the short bits that he's on screen in this episode are gold still. Oh, of course, because it's Snyder. <laughs> the man's made of gold. But the man poops gold. The man's this a Korok. Is, this is literally the only quote I've written down for this episode. The only quote? The only quote. Well, then I won't have to fight you for the other quotes. No, no, you Take will not. Take it away. So his his opening line here is... I'll just fight you anyway. He's responding to other students, and he's like, What? Dead students? There are, there are no dead students here. Long pause. This week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or didn't he say today? I thought it was today. Uh, it doesn't matter. Same, same I wrote joke. this week, but... Same thing. Same joke. But he, the the kid, is getting wheeled out. He's not dead. Not He's pointedly not dead. Not dead. Don't and, sue us. Um. <laughs> and Buffy just very in a very cavalier fashion, like in front of everyone, is like, "I'm gonna go find out what's going on," and just starts to walk right into the locker room. Uh huh. Like, oh, but did you notice? Like, when she talked to Mitch on the stretcher, they came to a dead fucking halt. Yeah. Just for her to talk to him. They like, he, like, he didn't even ask them to be like, hey, I need to talk to her. No, no, no. They're just like, oh, this person looks important. Yeah, she must be an authority figure, even she though must, she's a 16-year-old girl. She must be the lead <laughs> character on a television show or something. <laughs> but Snyder stops her from walking into the locker room. Uh-huh. And 
hilariously, Xander and Willow like attract his attention by talking about. Uh, I heard he was gonna sue. Yes, <laughs> and he's like, and "Wait, what?" It's <laughs> that comes up uh, later in the episode too. <laughs> Snyder's very afraid of the school getting sued. Very. Yes. It's a little. It. It. I hope they carry on with that in another episode, honestly. I, I, You know, I don't think it happens, but now I really want the school to get sued at some yeah. point, just because that would be funny. Just to see the so, look on Snyder's face. So, of course, Buffy goes into the locker room because they don't have it taped off or anything. It's not a, it, it's a crime scene, but they don't have it blocked off or I anything I mean, to like be that. fair, somebody did try to stop her from going in. True. They were taking care of the patient. There were patient. no police there. Yeah, there definitely should have been a heavier police presence. Um, the baseball bat was still on the floor of the locker room, uh, so no one collected evidence. Yeah. And she finds on the lockers written, I think in blood, the word look. Uh, I think... I, I couldn't... That looked... It doesn't make it clear whether or not it's blood. It, they don't say it. I assumed it was spray paint. It kind of looks like it might... It could be blood, but it kind of doesn't... If they intended for it to be blood, area, it did not read at all. No. And also, they're keeping up with the theme of, boy, our makeup department does not like gore effects, because he did not look like he'd been beaten no, up at all. he did not. He looked like he'd spent a half an hour in the sauna. And, it, like, <laughs> the lockers that you see are, like, there's big fucking dents in the lockers and shit. Like, uh -huh. the place looks torn up. I didn't say, I didn't even notice that. It it, it wasn't great lighting. Like, he just looked a little bruised. Yeah, like, he maybe didn't... he'd been in a light boxing match or something. Are all the kids in Sunnydale just weaklings? <laughs> like, they just can't take, take a hit? <laughs> because, like, getting tapped with a baseball bat, oh, he's done. You're only a little bruise. I don't know. Blame the victim a little more, Rex. See where that gets us. Well, to be fair, he's a dick. Please listen to our show. <laughs> he he. Oh, he absolutely was a dick. Yeah. Uh, what did he say just before he got beaten up? Oh, yeah. He was, Cordelia's arm isn't all I'm looking to be on. Or yeah. Some, some shit. Obviously just talking about how he wants to bang her. Uh, vaginas, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like what, bruh? <laughs> it's like nah. so from there we're at this point we get a lot of little scenes of following this person around do we yeah little snippets huh. and it starts a, a bit of a flashback at one point because we see harmony and cordelia talking to each other wait first um uh the next scene was the cafeteria Giles shows up, and oh, for right, a change, right. he's actually listening to uh, Buffy. Yes, if you recall, he. I think he learned something <laughs> from last episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he says, "So I've I've never heard of anyone being attacked by a lone baseball bat." And Xander says, "Maybe it's a vampire bat." <laughs> I legitimately laughed at that. <laughs> God, I love bad it's jokes. Like, Fucking hell! Finally earning your keep with the dad jokes. Go, Xander. <laughs> Uh, I'm alone on that one, huh? Yes. Everyone just just stares at him. It's fantastic. <laughs> Xander, I thought that was funny. Yeah, and so <laughs> they decide to do some research, or, or Giles is like, uh, well, I think uh, you may be right this time, Buffy, and uh, uh, Xander, are you free to do some research? Wait, there's homework now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you could go talk to Cordelia. Um, How about that research? <laughs> yeah, that's he pretty much. He finally gets out of having to go confront Cordelia about something, <laughs> which really think... only happened once, but it was memorable enough. No, he he ends up having to like talk to her. Like he draws the short straw a lot. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't recall off the top of my head. You mean besides me? No, I didn't ask. <laughs> okay, that's it. She attacked me. Do you believe it? Look, an empty seat. We have to achieve our dreams, otherwise we wither and die. We're going to the other cool place in Sunnydale. So, next scene is, that's, okay, it's the next scene you were thinking of. Right. With it, the little flashback thing. But it starts off with uh, Cordelia and... Uh, Harmony. Harmony. 
Talk, Harmony. Specifically, they're talking about uh, Cordelia going and seeing him in the hospital. Uh, and <laughs> Cordelia's not worried about his well-being. She's worried about prom pictures. But they are the kings, the writers of this show. It's, I'm sure it's not just Joss Whedon. Um, oh, no, no. He's got to I mean, have some, some backup It's a whole here. fucking crew of people that Whoever is coming up with this shit, they are the kings of the misleading setup. Like, where it's like... Oh, it sounds like she's actually concerned yeah. about his well-being. Oh, she's just worried about being seen with him. Yep. The, and uh, it's satisfying. It is. It really is. And then it's disgusting and awful, but satisfying. No, that's what you're. That's satisfying. what you're supposed to get from Cordelia. I yeah. Think. Like that's the point. They do it fucking well. So Harmony gets pushed down some stairs. Yep. Oh, like, hold on. a ridiculous set of stairs. So, uh, am I the only one that thinks it's a bit odd? I mean, I know this isn't the first time that we've had a scene in this location. They have an exterior balcony hallway at this school. I think it's only odd because we are Midwesterners and we have winter. Okay. This is a California it is, school. It is in California. So they don't really need as many walls as we're used to. <laughs> it's like Japan. They can <laughs> yeah, just exactly. make that shit out of paper and it's fine. Although they have some pretty har harsh winters in Japan, apparently. Weird. Just, I, don't, I don't know why they they use paper. It that's seems, so weird. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't, maybe those are just like summer homes or something. I guess. I don't know. All right. I, Japan I've files, never been to Japan. Let us know because we're too lazy to do our research. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. So anyway, Harmony gets pushed down the stairs. Immediately, Snyder is there, like he was waiting for her to be pushed down he the was. stairs. And he's like, don't sue! <laughs> he, like, popped out of Cordelia's back pocket. Cordelia's like, oh my god, she fell down the stairs. And obviously her entire tone was, Harmony, how could you fall down the stairs? Everyone is paying attention to what you're doing and not looking at me. <laughs> this is very inconsiderate of you, Harmony. She broke her ankle. She was obviously pushed, and mm -hmm. Buffy goes to like investigate and follows a sound of a girl laughing into the band room and gets shoved aside by what they think is a ghost at first. Yeah, and meanwhile, Quark is walking the promenade, <laughs> uh, bitching Wrong about show, bitching about the rules of acquisition. Still, he can't just get over it. Yeah, he steps in a puddle of Odo. I'm going to turn this into a slasher. And then Odo's like, I'm putty in your hands, Quark. And Quark is like, oh, Odo, I'm going to drink you up. And you're going to be inside of me. And this is supposed to be about is, Buffy, isn't it? Yes, you're going in the wrong direction. I am almost anyway, sorry. Buffy explains to them that she doesn't think it's a ghost because it bumped into her. She felt it. Right. Yes. Um, because Giles describes uh, touching a ghost as a singular experience that yes. it would be very unnerving. But very it's, unnerving. Yeah. And so they decide that the three of the Scoobies, Willow, Giles, and Xander, are going to research. And Buffy is going to follow Cordelia. Because for some reason, Cordelia's dress fitting is in the high school. Yeah. They're all in the high school at night. Where the fuck is Snyder kicking people out like he was last episode? Right? Like, can they just sign out a room and hang out there all I fucking guess. night? I guess. This, I don't know. This high school makes no fucking sense. No, it really doesn't. Did you cover the scene where Buffy follows the giggling upstairs after Harmony yes. goes down the stairs? Yeah, we did that. Okay. You're not paying attention again. I was too busy trying to think of the term uh, rules of acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. It was gonna you bother were on the me. wrong show again. It was really gonna bother me if I couldn't think of that. <laughs> quark, 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 quark. Yeah, just get it out of your system. Quark, 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 quark. We get to see Angel here, and he's yeah, he's avoiding Buffy. Yeah, which that was, tells us why we have a welcome seen arrival. Him. Yeah, actually, yeah. And he, the interaction between Angel and Giles is really fantastically done. Giles was surprisingly not flipping the fuck out. Uh, I mean, a little startled. Oh, yeah, because he's looking in his reflection and then turns and yeah. Angel is right there and because he doesn't have a reflection. That'd freak anybody out. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> but now, maybe you can recall, I can't off the top of my head, have they actually met before this? 
I don't remember. I feel I like they have think, not. I don't think so. I think this is really their first interaction with each other. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely the first time that they've you know, had a conversation alone. And Angel actually, like, offers to get a rare lost book for Giles. Yeah, and Giles looks like a small boy who just saw a Christmas tree for the first yeah, time. he's super happy about like, this. Would you? He's like, Angel? Books? You're going to give me a book? I will love you forever. I would be happy to fillet you for that book. <laughs> you were going to go in that direction. I, I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Who's the perv here? Me. So, anyway. Oh. We get to, uh... <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one open to interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was man. my impression of me eating. Oh. <laughs> you just ruined it because you didn't leave it open open to interpretation. Uh, shit. I'll fix it in post. So we get a flashback here of the actual girl who's invisible. Yeah. And we get to actually see her. And the actress, I'm going to butcher her name. It's like Clea. It's C-L-E-A. The girl playing Marcy? Yes. Okay. Her name's Clea Duvall. I'll take your word for it. She was a lot of small bit parts throughout the 90s, hmm. but she's in a few movies and everything, too. Bit parts in other shows yes. and movies. Yes. Gotcha. And she was also in a couple of uh, teen movies at the time. Yeah. But I had a huge fucking crush on her in the 90s. I mean, I was thinking, like, why are people ignoring her? She's pretty cute. Yeah. What the fuck? I got a thing for freckles. She had tons of freckles. She did. Oh, yeah. She had but, that girl next door kind of look going on. And she's still just as gorgeous today. Really? Because I, I, I couldn't remember her name, so I looked it up. And uh -huh. her recent picture, she's just as gorgeous. Yeah, good for her. Anyway, the flashback is just fucked up. It's painful. Because she's, they're, they're in a bathroom, and Cordy and her entourage come in. Yeah, her harem. And they're... This girl's just trying to be a part of a conversation. Like, they fucking surrounded her, and they're yeah. just talking with her practically in the center of them. And she says, like, two or three, three things to them. And they completely ignore her. Yeah. And then Harmony is like, oh, go away. Stop talking to us. And I wonder how much of this is really exaggerated and how much of this shit happens in real life. I know for a fact that it happens in real life because my high school years were a lot like that. Huh. Uh, usually in high school, if people were paying attention to me, it was not good. I was, it was being me being picked on. Right. Yeah, well, okay, I mean, all that kind of nonsense aside, I mean, I mean, it's not nonsense, you know what I mean. I've experienced, when I was a kid, being outright ignored like that. It's fucked up. Huh. It's very fucked up. I, I mean, like, I recall not really, you know, having any good ideas how to engage with other groups or cliques of kids, you know, not really fully understanding social dynamics yet. But I, I guess nothing particularly like that ever happened to me. You were also, I think, in a much smaller school than I was. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, what was your graduating class? I want to say like 250. See, mine was double that at least. Really? Yeah. Huh. Anyway, so shitty things happen in the bathroom. Poor girl gets ignored. Yeah. Like, she seemed pleasant enough to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh... At this point, they kind of figure out that it's a girl that is invisible. This is about the time uh, Buffy, in her search for for the girl, finds her home, her nest. Yeah. Well, she, she goes back into this super creepy, darkened band room. Yep. Finds a footprint on a chair uh -huh. and like, follows it up onto the shelf, up into the ceiling. Yeah. Into this like little... like walkway-ish kind of yeah. crawl space area. One in a million shot that she would have tried going into the ceiling, seems like. Yeah. But I, there's really this um, theme throughout at least the first season so far of 
Like, you can always just tell by the lighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you make a band room creepy? Well, they did. Oh, yeah. But... Because, I mean, there was the theater before. Oh, and, right. And then yeah. the basement with that girl that went down there to smoke. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. okay, sure, like, the sewer systems are going to be creepy, but... They managed to make a lot of school scenes. Yeah, mundane mundane places, they do really good at making them creepy. Yeah. Maybe it's part of the magic of the Hellmouth. It must be the Hellmouth. But... I mean, that's how they explain everything else. Yeah. So, and we haven't quite gotten there yet. So, Buffy finds her home, and Buffy finds her yearbook. Oh my god, when she found the nest, I was like, oh god, she found the rat man's den. (laughs) (laughs) This is not Portal 2. Damn it! There were rats' nests in Portal 1. Oh, was there? Yeah. Oh, right, you're right. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played that. Or were there? Maybe they weren't. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, that's... Either here nor there. That's the point. The moment when Buffy reveals to Willow and Xander... Because they're like, who's this girl? We've never even heard of her. Yeah. Yet they signed her yearbook. Yeah. And every single person who signed Marcy's yearbook said, have a great summer. Smoking gun. Lock, stock, and barrel. Y'all caused this. This was your fault. You got to be nicer to those neo-Nazis before they shoot up the school. (laughs) God damn it. But it's revealed that they had four classes with her. And like they interacted with her on obviously multiple occasions we get a flashback of her actually in class and the teachers outright ignoring her as well and this explains was this before or after the teacher gets attacked i forget this is right before the teacher gets attacked okay um i to explain like why the teacher gets attacked beforehand but so that's actually the moment when she goes invisible too Right. Right. Sitting in class. No one sees her and she goes invisible. Right. And this is when, during this conversation in the library, is when Giles realizes that this isn't about. Yeah. Yeah. So Xander says, uh, it's like, wait, so people ignored her. So she just went invisible. And Giles emphatically slaps the table (laughs) and says, of course, we've been too busy investigating the mystical that we forgot to investigate the. The metaphysical or some shit. The, the the quantum. The quantum mechanical. The quantum mechanical. And, and, then, and then the motherfucker. So he's like, science. It must be science. I mean, it's the hell mouth, but science. And so um, well, what they, he just throws the word quantum mechanical in there. And basically, it just comes down to being on the hellmouth. A perception basically shapes pe- a person's reality. Well, there's actually a fun uh, aspect of quantum mechanics that shows that observation changes the results of tests. Right. And so the idea is when something exists without observation, it has uh a number of possibilities and it is all of those possibilities at once. And if you never observe it, it doesn't exist. Schrodinger's cat. Right. Exactly. So he's not talking out his ass completely. Okay. But the, the whole premise here is that. That's fun. Okay. You finish your thought. The premise here is that because she was not being observed, the Hellmouth accentuated this property of quantum mechanics and she legitimately went invisible. And, this is the first episode we get where it's not something creepy and supernatural going on. It's, you know, a physical aspect of the world just kind of altered slightly by the Hellmouth. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting to me. It's also the first time that we legitimately just have a normal fucking person as the bad guy. Right. And she just, you know, I mean, anybody would go mad from the uh, the isolation that she yeah, endured. And earlier when uh, Giles and Angel were talking about it, Giles was uh, mentioning that, oh, you know, she's invisible. And Angel even says, I don't know, looking looking in a mirror and not seeing your own reflection. Oh, right. You know, it's not all what it's cracked yeah, up to be. Exactly. Also, this whole um, 
thing just kind of validates a small portion of my childhood. Uh, once upon a time, I was very young, probably I don't know, somewhere between eight and ten years old-ish. Should was, we move you to a couch? No, uh, I have a footrest. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I'm already in one of the most comfortable chairs I've ever owned. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, I am. So I was having a conversation with my father. And I, I don't know, I was just spitballing here. And I dropped this theory that I'd been rolling around in my head uh, about, you know, it's like, sometimes I wonder, what if nothing exists outside of my own cognition? I didn't word it like this, of course, but it's essentially what I was saying. I was like, what if when I close my eyes... Everything ceases to be. Um, and he actually kind of vaguely entertained this theory. Like, he was like, huh, gosh darn kids, with what will they come up with next? He just, he was mildly amused by it. And I always remembered that, um, that even if he thought it was stupid, he didn't make me feel stupid for saying it. Well, also, like, uh, you know, what if... Uh, other people don't see colors the same as me. Yeah, exactly. I remember saying that to my brother one time, and he was like, well, that's just stupid. And I was like, okay. It's hard for me to say anything cool or, or witty or at all. I, I can usually make a few vowel sounds, and then I have to go away. I don't mean to interrupt your downward mobility. Yeah, you're the Slayer, and we're like the Slayerettes. Oh, please. So, anyway... In the previous classroom, because it's the same teacher that we saw earlier. Yeah. Uh, Cordy's supposed to meet her after class. Mm-hmm. But before this happens, she gets attacked by the invisible girl. Miss Miller was yes, her name. Yes, Miss Miller. And gets suffocated by a plastic bag. And I don't know about you, but this actor, sh I hope she got a lot of fucking money. Because I can't think of anything more fucking terrifying than <laughs> shooting a scene where I have to have a bag put over my head and, like, she sucks in enough air, like, to suck the bag into her mouth. That just, it made me cringe so fucking hard. Uh -huh. And they cut. And then Cordy comes into the room, and she still has the bag over her head. Uh-huh. So, like, maybe they had a tube up under there so she could, like, get better air or whatnot. Yeah, but I mean, the bag still... was pretty loosely over her head, but she did a really good job of yeah. making it look like she was still suffocating was, when they pulled the bag off. It was... That was well done. Unnerving. Yeah. Unnerving. Absolutely. And I hope that actress got a lot of money for that bit. I feel like I've seen a lot of scenes like that, but that was probably one of the, one of the earlier ones... It just, when she, like, sucked the bag into her mouth because she was trying to take deep breaths, just, it, oh, man, it gave me chills. Yeah. It freaked me out. But then the, uh, Cordy pulls the bag off her head. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. Again, no one dies in this episode. <laughs> and then. Unfortunately. And then. Gah. Uh, Marcy writes, listen, in chalk on the chalkboard. Yeah. And they both watch the chalk write it. And it's kind of awful print. It was. The lines of the N weren't even connected to no, each other. they weren't. That bothered me, too. Glad we agree on something <laughs> for a change. Christ. So, next scene, uh, I think this cuts right to the library, uh, where they're finally putting all of the uh, parts and pieces together. Uh, they're looking at the the book again, yep. and they're like, okay, so what's the... Uh, What's the one thing that all of these people who are getting attacked have in common? And it's Cordy. Cordelia. And she comes busting into the library <laughs> and just goes on a whole fucking diatribe about everything going on. <laughs> and <laughs> this is all about me. Me, me, me. And Xander's like, wow, for once she's right. And she is. She was. And it's hilarious to me because she's like, Buffy, you have to do something. I mean, I, I've always just kind of thought you were in a gang, but you have to do something. <laughs> no, she said, I, I know you're very strong and you've got all those weapons. I was kind of hoping you were in a gang. Yeah. And I didn't write down everything she said, but it, I mean, like her opening line was calling everybody she was with losers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. really fucking charismatic. That's why her name's Charisma Carpenter. Her her acting in this episode is fantastic. <laughs> it really is. It is, actually. Um, like She's had some pretty solid moments previous episodes, mm -hmm. but she takes the fucking cake in this episode. She like, definitely she does a fantastic does job. 
perfect delivery. Building it up in from two dimensions into oh, three. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So... Oh, I actually wrote another quote. After her little bit of a diatribe, Giles offers her a place to sit uh-huh. and like, gives her a chair. And as he walks back around the table, he says to her, I don't recall ever seeing you in here before. And she just deadpans, oh, no, I have a life. I got that one, too. <laughs> also, my other... Uh, my other favorite one here. I didn't get exactly what Cordelia said to uh, to make it happen. It's something along the lines of, um, I know you all have the same gut feeling as I do regarding each other or some shit. And Willow's like, nausea? Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And, and Willow, this whole scene just had this hilarious look of bemusement. Yeah. She was definitely like, what the fuck are you doing in my library? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I have a life. That was a good one. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So Buffy drops the bomb that uh, there's an invisible girl specifically trying to kill Cordelia. And Xander's like, who is really, really mad at you, which I can't imagine personally, but it takes all <laughs> kinds, you know. So, <laughs> and then, of course, even Cordy's like, I have no idea who this girl is. I've never seen her before. Yeah. It's like, well, guess what? That's why she's invisible now. It's because so Buffy so thoughtless. So Buffy goes with Cordy so that Cordy can get dressed for the fucking ceremony bullshit. Right. They decide to use her as bait because yep. they're like, well, we can't shut down the thing. Otherwise, we won't be able to flush out the invisible girl. Right. So they decide to use her as bait. Buffy goes with her. And then the rest of the Scoobies hear fucking flute playing. Creepy as fuck. But it was established earlier. Um, Giles, be- just before Angel showed up, we heard this flute playing and he was like, what's that? They, that was right. Like, there's, it was established that she was a flute player. Also that. Um, but here's the thing. They follow this, mm-hmm. which is really stupid considering their plan. <laughs> and, like, as they're, like, walking towards the flute sounds, they're like, we can catch her. It's like, she's fucking invisible. Yeah. How in the hell do you think you're going to do this? Uh, maybe they were just looking for a floating flute. I guess. But it's obviously a trap. Yeah. Yep. And I yep. want to know how in the fuck the boombox that is playing the fu- flute music in the goddamn boiler room mm. is somehow echoing through the entire goddamn school, yet not loud enough to where they can't be standing right next to it and have a fucking normal conversation. That is an interesting point. But it's a trap. The pilot light's been blown out. The gas has been turned up. And she Door locks slams them. behind them. She locks them in the the room oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck and then buffy's having this heartfelt moment through the door while cordelia's changing yep cordelia manages to ruin it surprise uh and then we hear some scuffling around and buffy's like wait what's going on she breaks through the door it's obviously a breakaway door but whatever cordelia's getting dragged through the ceiling here's the thing we've seen buffy open unlocked or open locked doors multiple different ways Throughout this season. Uh-huh. And one of the ways that in previous episodes that she would unlock a door like this is rip the handle off. Yeah, she would just turn the handle until it basically broke the Yeah, the and tumblers. like, that seems like that would be the better, smarter option than punching a hole in the door to open it from the inside. Those kinds of doors are, like, uh, nearly, like... Four inches of solid fucking wood, probably reinforced steel in between them. Yeah, and, like, why didn't she just, like, kick it? And this door looked like fucking balsa wood. Yeah. It, when she punches through it. It's another, it's a, an ongoing problem that they, they really cannot decide how fucking strong she is. Yeah. They really need to work on that, and that's something I hope they solidify further down in the series, but... Meh. Cordy is getting strangled. Yeah. Well, dragged anyway. We can't see her head, so we don't know that she's being strangled per se. But Buffy goes after her. They end up falling through the ceiling into a classroom somewhere. And then Marcy stabs them (laughs) with syringes and knocks them out. 
I only saw Buffy get stabbed with a syringe. I wasn't sure I where. Ass- Cord- I assumed that Cordy did. Okay, I, I, I assumed Cordy was, was still up in the ceiling at this yeah. point. Okay, but then <laughs> they wake up and they're at the bronze. At the bronze, and I have a very important question here: it's- How did an invisible girl drag two two girls who are exactly her size? Yeah. To the fucking bronze. Yeah. Did she take two trips? <laughs> How did she make sure that one of them would stay unconscious long enough while she went back to the school <laughs> to get the other one? She clearly has a magical invisible car. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Did no one freak out that there was a car driving itself? <laughs> she, she could have put Buffy or Cordelia in the driver's seat <laughs> and then sat on their lap. <laughs> And put some of those googly eye glasses on them, but they're tied. They're tied up in the bronze, and she comes in with a surgical tray, and she's gonna do surgery and fuck up Cordy's face. Yeah, and that's the big plan. <laughs> Why is so serious about this? About this time, basically, uh, Giles and Xander and Willow are trying to get out of the basement. The boiler room. Or, yeah, out of the boiler Whatever. room. They can't get out of the boiler room. They're about to fucking die. They all almost asphyxiate, except pointedly Giles is the last one still yep. going. And Which I, I wonder if he would be, because, I mean, he is the largest of the three. Right. Does that... I f- or would it go the other way around? I don't know. I feel like that... But is that how that works? I mean, everybody... Oh, maybe it's because he was less panicked than them. Possible. I mean, I, I feel mean, like even if you're bigger, like, then you need more oxygen. Yeah, I don't know. If you're I, small, it's proportionate to your I'm, body's weight. It's, it's a curious thought. Yeah. But Angel rescues them. Yep. And, like, nick a fucking time. Yep. Uh, he just happened to be bringing the, the book and mm-hmm. happened to smell the gas. Yep. And... He says to them, oh, I'll go into the boiler room and turn the gas off. It's not like I need to breathe anyway. Good and this know. actually, I I wrote this down specifically because I'm like, vampires don't have to breathe. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, I knew they were dead, but like, I didn't realize like they don't even need oxygen. Huh. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Yet their bodies don't rot or anything, and it's, like, that's a weird mechanic to Or me. at the very least, we're going to keep track of that having been established and see if they break their own rule later. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, obviously, like, they can smoke. Cause yeah. Because, like, I know Spike smokes Well, then they, and they can and... still eat and they can still drink. Yeah. But, I, I see, I, I was always fuzzy on that. Even the first time, my first watch through of the whole um, series. Right. I was like, but how does, like, do they poop? <laughs> do yeah. they pee? What's they, going on I here? mean, if they don't need oxygen, do they have bodily functions? Yeah, and I feel like there's a few spots where they cry and it, they're not crying blood. So it's definitely not uh, Anne Rice style. Right. I'm sure there's forums and forums and forums of people debating these points. And we're going to ignore that. And who gives a flying <laughs> fuck? So we're just going to scratch the surface of that and move the fuck on. Yeah, and then... You should, so too. The end, <laughs> the end comes pretty quick at this point, because while, while Marcy is breaking one of the major evil overlord rules yep. and gloating... Before finishing her task. Well, no, she's following the evil overlord rules to the T, well, right. which is her undoing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so Cordy gets one small cut on her face. One tiny little fucking cut. Which, I'm sorry, that scalpel that Mercy was holding would do a fuck ton more oh, yeah. than that little slice. That like that was so obviously just like a fucking pencil mark. Yeah, that seriously. shit would have diced her goddamn cheek off. But Buffy gets out of her tied-up chair uh-huh. and, like, manages to knock Marcy over and somehow get herself untied and start to get uh, Cordy untied before Marcy gets up to attack her. Yeah, what was she doing? Was she doing that, like, old um, scratch-the-rope-off routine? I'm not sure. Was she using a ring or some shit? I, it looked like she <laughs> grabbed something from the tray. But to she me, couldn't but it didn't have. show us 
that she grabbed something from the tray because she was like reaching for the tray. I honestly think they tried to establish that she was wearing a ring that was sharp enough somehow it wasn't, for her to. It wasn't made very clear. It was dumb. And, but the the fight here is short and sweet, <coughs> but there's this really cool moment where Marcy's like, I'm fucking invisible. You can't touch me. And at first it's like, oh, she's beating Buffy's ass. But then Buffy just takes a moment and calms down, tells Cordelia to shut up. And Cordelia just, <laughs> the look on her face, just, okay. It was very satisfying yes. for Cordelia to actually shut the fuck up and like that for a second. She, Buffy is completely, totally badass here. She channels her zen. Channels her zen, slows her breathing, listens, Mm -hmm. and punches Marcy right in the fucking jaw. (laughs) Right the fuck out into a curtain so now she can handle it. And then hits her a few more times. In the curtain. And then the FBI runs in like they do. Yep. They, they, immediately show up yeah and it was hinted that they we saw them earlier in the episode they established briefly that some g-men were hanging out but they show up and even even buffy is like you got here you could have got here a little bit sooner what the hell we got here as fast as we could and i'm like really because how the fuck did you even know they were there if you weren't tailing them yeah seriously like it's a to me, it's hilarious. Like, as they're escorting Marcy out, she's, like, mumbling. And she's like, oh, my jaw. I hurt so much. It's <laughs> like, if you got your jaw broken by the Slayer, you would not be speaking. You're right. <laughs> You're not wrong. Like, you can't speak with a broken jaw. Uh-huh. It just doesn't work. And so, oh, my God, those fucking FBI yeah. agents were just ridiculous. It was like watching an episode of the fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah, and they're not... Like, the acting for them is not good at all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was all we really needed. I think I got a couple of their uh, quotes. Give me a second here. Um, No, I didn't get any quotes from them. Uh, However, I will pose you this question. Where the hell are their little red flashy things that look like tire gauges? Huh? Neuralizers? Yeah, yeah, those. They're not men in black, apparently. (laughs) Well, then what the fuck are they even worth? Apparently, they're just recruiters for invisible assassins. This isn't even worth my time anymore. I quit. (laughs) You mean besides me? No, I didn't ask. (laughs) Okay. That's it. She attacked me. Do you believe it? Look, an empty seat. We have to achieve our dreams, otherwise we wither and die. So we end with the Scooby gang as they're standing outside the library and Cordy comes walking up and thanks them profusely. Profusely. Has a fucking soul and like is really fucking nice in what (laughs) she says to him up until her fucking boyfriend shows up and is like, why are you talking to these losers? And she immediately... Switches back to her old Cordy self. Xander had a good moment. He was like, it looks like Cordelia. (laughs) (laughs) Very much Did you catch the fucking Foley when Buffy elbowed him in the chest? No, I didn't. It sounded like a goddamn sandbag, you know, know, the cornhole game. Could you imagine how fucking much that would hurt? A lot. Elbowed by the Slayer? Yeah. He'd have broken ribs. I just the the foley was way off. Yeah, it really was. It was it was almost as bad as that seventies and eighties fight scene. Every punch <laughs> that you ever throw, yeah, sounds oh, like man. something out of a fighting v- video game. But the the closing scene is they're fu- they're escorting Marcy to a classroom with a bunch of other invisible kids, and the book. <laughs> is about how to be an assassin or something. Specifically page 54. Yes. 54 is about infiltration and assassination. Yeah. She was being very, very... What's the word? Cooperative? Yes, very much so. A little too cooperative, in my yeah. opinion. Like she was, she was all about it. She wasn't really fighting it. I mean, did maybe, they... Maybe they brainwashed her at this point. Did they get her medical attention? That's what I want to know. She was speaking clearer, so they must have. Yeah, I mean, she seemed pretty thrilled when she turned to page 54. The assassination. I don't know if they ever, like, pay off on this. I I don't think they do. Season one is full of untied loose ends. It really is. 
It really is, and that's unfortunate. Grr, arg. Yep. That was the episode. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Strength. Give, give, give me more! Nights, I shall walk in the Hold on. You've got something here. Huh? So, the next episode <laughs> is the final for this season. It is! This was definitely the calm before the storm. Yeah. Did you like this episode? Eh. I, I enjoyed some of the dialogue. I enjoyed uh, Cordelia's performance as an actress and a few of the things they did with her character. I enjoyed Definitely. that we there were no appearances from Nice Guy Xander. None at all. And we enjoyed some wit. Uh, just some good old-fashioned um, dad jokes out coming yeah, out of Xander. It, um, we had some fun interaction between... Giles and the dialogue Angel. I don't think was as strong as we've seen in pre- some previous episodes. We got a little bit of overall plot uh, for the for the season arc. Yeah, there was like With I the actually book, was really appre- I was really appreciative of them bringing Angel back in to kind of like point the show back towards that. Yeah. Um, hey guys, don't get too distracted over here. Exactly, and it, like <laughs> that told us that yeah, next episode it's the reckoning with the masters coming. Yeah. And now, specifically, though, Giles has a book that will actually, like, show them what they need to know. It's something big, you guys. I don't know what, but it's something <laughs> big is in motion. Blah. I'm so brutal. I think this episode was okay. I think it's on par with the rest of season one. Giles, can I brood for you? Because I just can't be around Buffy. It hurts too much. <laughs> uh... Giles even mentions... Uh, Oh, you're in a love vampire with the Slayer. in love with the Slayer. That's <laughs> that's weird. How poetic. <laughs> Actually, I think uh, you know. While we're at it, let's do quotes of the day. Yeah, what's your quote of the day? Well, I I, I wrote down that one quote that I was just quoting while Giles was talking to Angel, and it's going to take me a moment to find it. It's okay. I do the editing. Did you find it yet? I did. So that took forever. So Giles says to Angel, a vampire in love with the Slayer, it's rather poetic, in a maudlin sort of way. And I I mean, I thought that was a bit presumptuous of him. I mean, I'm not even sure that, I'm not sure Buffy's divulged that information to him, or and I don't think he's ever spoken to Angel, and he really is only familiar with Angel insofar as what, what he's heard about him. And that he is Angelus and has this long history. Right. And the only input that Giles gets before he says that line is Angel says, I can't stand to see her right now. Yeah, he just said it's like hard for him to be around Buffy or something. So uh, anyway, I I enjoyed that line, but I think I'm going to have to give my quote of the day to Xander. I'm giving my quote of the day to Xander as well. Oh, here's here's a fun one. I already said the other one that I was just going to give to Xander, but I'm looking at this one right now. So, uh, Xander said this also at one point. Hey, want to come over for dinner tonight? My mom's <laughs> making her famous phone call to the Chinese place. Yes. And Willow says, Xander, do you guys even have a stove? <laughs> yeah. I I almost wrote that down. I didn't, though. Mm-hmm. I'm it's sad like, that I didn't. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. And it, and it uh, took me a second. Honestly, like, I'm Aha! I'm giving my quote to Xander as well for his vampire bat line. Yeah. It's Okay, good. That's the other you know, one I was going to pick. It, it's a damn good dad joke. <laughs> it is. Like and honestly because of that bad joke, that moment was the moment I laughed the hardest during this episode <laughs> cuz I love bad jokes like that. I don't. <laughs> but it was still fun. Hey, hey Josh. Why yes, were, Rex? Why were the Mongols so happy? Because they mongled the rolls. Because they were nomads. Oh. <laughs> I have to go vomit now. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye. You are the Slayer. Life's
of responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs> done why are we watching this 